Welcome to the I Am In podcast. This semester, the Boise Nampa Institute will interview members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We will hear stories from their personal lives, examples of how the gospel of Jesus Christ has blessed them. We hope you will join us each week to strengthen your faith in the Savior and gain hope for the future. Ryan Butler, who is the first stake president for the Napa YSA stake and also a seminary and institute teacher. Um, maybe let's just start, Ryan, give us a background on your uh, life, uh, your time spent with young adults and, and where you're at now, and then we'll talk about how the YSA Napa stake was formed. Excellent. So I'm from CUNA, Idaho originally, uh, born and raised, served a mission in South America and Chile, um, hired to teach seminary and institute here in this part of the valley. I live in New Plymouth currently, and so um, we have six children, a young adult, well, two young adults, one just home from a mission, one on a mission, and then high school, middle school, elementary kids beyond that. So uh, Liz and I are just loving the opportunity. Our experiences with young adults, I've taught Institute now for 10 years out at uh, the Treasure Valley Community College Institute in Ontario, Oregon. So I've had lots of experiences there, and then there was a young single adult um, ward in the Ontario stake when I served in the stake presidency there. I got to work with that ward a lot. So when did they form the Nampa Young Single Adult Stake? So in March of 2020, the <laughs> young, the Nampa Young Single Adult Stake was formed. We had a stake conference on Sunday. The stake was formed and then on Thursday is when everything got shut down due to COVID. <laughs> so so our wards and well our, our wards were already all formed. That was hugely beneficial of course. It was just the stake organization that had to be formed through lots of Zoom interviews with people that I didn't know. And so that was a, a wonderful testimony building experience of personal revelation. And even my two counselors, I'd never really met them before. I just had the opportunity to have the Holy Ghost testify to Liz and I that they should serve as my counselors, but I didn't know either one of them. Wow. And then you spent a year, a virtual year, running a stake. Yeah, we went probably a virtual six months running a stake. And then fortunately, our area presidency was pretty lenient about you get back together when you feel it's safe and appropriate for your stake to do so. And, and because of the culture and climate in the western part of the Treasure Valley, we were able to get back together pretty quick with some um, guidance from local health officials and from our area priesthood authorities. It, that's an amazing start. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never <laughs> Just forget. Just easier from there. Right. Um, talk to me about what a, a YSA ward means for a young adult. Why would a young adult who's maybe at home with their family or just, you know, had, having grown out of young men's, young women's, why would they want to transition over to a YSA ward? It's an interesting word you just used, grown out. That's okay. the reason, right? Um, it, it serves a dual purpose a young single adult ward does. Of course, it provides some social opportunities with people in their age range. And when I say social opportunities, I want to be very clear. It is not marriage wards, right? We're, we're not getting them together so they can find their eternal companion. Of course, we always hope that everybody finds their eternal companion no matter what ward they're in. But our purpose isn't to set up dates. We're there to provide a social environment and a spiritual environment, primarily a spiritual one. It's an opportunity to worship together with people in like circumstance and situation to hear how to navigate life as a young single adult while still being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We know that that message is important because how many groups get actual devotionals just for them 
well, young single adults is one of those groups. And so that's what a young single adult ward gives them an opportunity to come and be actively and anxiously engaged in the work of gathering scattered Israel with their peers. And we need them because of how many young single adults aren't coming. And, and I can go to somebody's house and invite them to come back. And that can work. But it's so much more powerful when a peer co- goes to their home and says, come with me. Mm-hmm. It is so powerful when they do that. Um, talk to me about how wonderful these young single adults are. Because there's a lot of people that are labeling millennials or Gen, Gen, uh, Gen Z or all the different labels they give them. But truthfully, I look at them and see so much power and greatness. What do you see in your stake as you have had this opportunity these last two years? So, you know how you have the... the the cultural idea of the old man on the lawn, you know, shaking his fist at, oh, back in my day. They're so much better. Are there challenges with millennials and Gen Z? Of course, but they are in so much better position to understand, to teach, to share the gospel than certainly I ever was at that age. And so what do they get to do in our stake? Everything. The only calling that they can't have in our stake is my calling and a bishop. And every other calling in many cases is filled by a young single adult. Uh, our Caldwell Ward, for instance, both counselors to the bishop are young single adults. I love that. Uh, who are serving and co- having interviews and conducting sacrament meetings, extending callings. All of our Relief Society presidents, of course, are all young single adults who are not just holding meetings, but really creating that vision of what the Lord has for Relief Society. And, and they're leading with priesthood authority, as President Oaks taught. And, and we see that with young single adults. Sometimes they're 18, and sometimes they're 30. And I think outside the culture of a young single adult ward, a 28 or 29-year-old would look at an 18-year-old and think, they're so young, they know nothing. But in the context of a young single adult ward, they're all peers, and they see themselves as such, and rely on each other. And that age thing is not as big of a wall as it seems to be maybe perceived in, in other circumstances. Age totally dissolves after graduation from high school. Because <laughs> age is very significant for a high school student. Absolutely. But once you become a young adult, it blurs and there becomes friendships regardless, right? The first question isn't how old are you? I mean, that's like rarely a question in introductions. It's just, you know, where are you from? Are you going to college? Some of those life questions that you might ask, but it isn't, how old are you? Because it just doesn't matter, generally speaking. Right. And it's interesting, too, uh, to attend a YSA ward if, if, if no one has ever been, because there's no primary and there's no young men's, young women's. It's just Relief Society and Elders Quorum, but it makes for such a reverent atmosphere. <laughs> it's, you know, I've been, in the last two and a half years, had the opportunity to go back to my home ward for sacrament meeting I don't know, four or five times. I try to go on Mother's Day and... Christmas. (laughs) uh, Sometimes. (laughs) Uh, But when the primary has their sacrament meeting presentation, because I still have primary children, and then when my sons spoke, either leaving or coming home from their missions. And it's a different world. Just, I'm used to a sacrament meeting where the only thing that I have to focus on is my relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are just no other distractions. Now, maybe that says more about me than anything else. But you sit in a young single adult ward sacrament meeting, and during the sacrament, the administration and ordinance of the sacrament, it is 
akin to the reverence of a temple. It's just so quiet and everybody is just so hyper-focused on their relationship with the Savior. And the looking around, who's there, who isn't, who's making noises, the, it's just, none, of that, none of that exists. Lots of bowed heads, lots of closed eyes, lots of people who you know are just having some really deep, private, personal moments that we hope can then carry on for the remainder of their lives. Even when at some point they become a mom and dad and have a squirmy three-year-old, they can still remember that there is a time they can make that connection. That's awesome. And in addition to Sunday worship, you talked about the social aspect of belonging. And so talked about family home evening, Mm -hmm. what that looks like in a young single adult ward, and the activities that both the wards and stake put on for young adults. Excellent. Thank you. So every ward will have at minimum two, but in most cases four, opportunities to gather during the week. So many of the wards, they all have family home evening on Monday night. So each ward will meet, and it'll be anything from volleyball to board game night to video games to get to know you to barbecue to working out at the orchard. I mean, it's just this whole span of activities that they do. One of the heavier callings in a YSA ward is actually the family home evening coordinators because they have to come up with all the things to do. (laughs) Every week, right? It's kind of like a young men's president or a young women's president who... Okay, what are we gonna do for mutual this week? What are we gonna do for mutual this week? It's that idea. But, so that happens every Monday night. Many of the wards have Sunday night gospel study where they get together and, and go through the Come Follow Me lesson from the previous week, recognizing that Sunday school every other week just isn't enough time for that. And many of them aren't living with families. Or even if they are, they're so busy with what's going on in their own life, they don't get a chance to have that connection. So that happens on Sunday nights in many wards. Um, there's Institute which heavily driven, I mean, we find that if a ward goes, they kind of all go, and that's on either Tuesday or Wednesday night, generally, uh, depending on which ward they are. There'll be a sports night. Most wards will have a sports night uh, that'll either be after Institute or on a Friday night. That's a pretty common sports night. Um, And then pretty much every ward has a temple night at least once a month. Most are doing it twice a month on like a Thursday and then a Saturday. And then anytime we get together, we eat. So there's always food involved in all of this, right? And then on a stake level, we offer activities every other month. So, you know, our next big one actually is this upcoming Monday. We have a, we go out to the, we rent out the whole drive-in theater out in Parma. And we're going to have nachos and watch Nacho Libre. And so we just all get together and we'll get four to 700 uh, young single adults that'll come to those activities. And they love being together. And it's fun for us to be with them, honestly, because their energy is so great and they're always going. Um, Talk to me about some of the challenges that that they faced. Anything that you wish you could take away from them? Yeah, I wish that they could see themselves the way Christ sees them. It's a world, President Nelson addressed this in his devotional earlier this year. There's just so many labels being thrown around. Oh, yeah. and, and they all, we all, are a little susceptible to trying to apply those labels as opposed to the three that President Nelson mentioned. So if I could ingrain in their hearts something, it would be primarily that they are first and foremost children of God, children of the covenant, and disciples of Christ. 
and that all the other labels, some of which are important, pale in comparison. But they get so hung up because everything around them, everything on their phone, most things on their phone, try to place a different label. You know, how many likes did you get? How do you look? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? Are you engaged? Those are all labels that may or may not matter, but they don't matter as much as those three that President Nelson laid out. That, that's the first thing I'd want them to just really feel deep in their hearts, that those are the three labels that matter most. And earlier in his talk, which I really loved, uh, I've, I've reread it several times, he talks about secular learning versus spiritual learning and how your professors at school teach you all great things in the topic that they're assigned, but as a prophet, they're, they're leaving out three of the greatest truths of all time, death, resurrection, and judgment. Yeah. And I think it's powerful for our young adults to recognize that because Christ is the judge, we don't have to judge. Yeah. And we don't have to be judged or worry about being judged. And there's so much freedom that comes from letting go of judgment. Something that I, I share regularly in my office, one of, the, one of the difficulties that many young single adults struggle with is feeling worthy. Uh, probably due to a misunderstanding of what worthiness actually means. And so there's a couple of scriptures and concepts that we'll go to to help them understand that. One is it's Christ's job to make you perfect, not yours. But so many of us spend so much of our time, effort, and energy trying to make ourselves perfect when that's the Savior's job, right? We'll use Moroni 10.32, for instance, to help them understand that coming to Christ and be perfected in Him. We come unto Him, He makes us perfect. But we spend, and I've been guilty of this, so much of my effort trying to make myself perfect rather than allowing Christ, who's perfect at his job, to make me perfect. And then two, when, when Moroni, when Mormon through his son Moroni, invites us to pray with all the energy of our heart to be filled with charity, I think the greatest lack of charity that many young single adults possess is not in loving their neighbors, because we're actually excellent in that, and I'll talk about that in a minute but it's that they don't see themselves the way Christ sees them. They lack charity for themselves um, and, and don't recognize not just the power and capacity, they've been told that their whole life, but just that they are doing an excellent job. How do we help them believe that? Because they really are, they are and phenomenal. This is where the YSA comes in because if you're serving as Elder Scorn President, Jesus Christ calls you as an Elder Scorn President. If you're serving as a family home evening coordinator, Christ called you. That's how much confidence he has in you. If you're serving as a temple and family history leader, Christ has the confidence in you to help gather Israel on the other side of the veil and be the primary focal point in, in doing that. If you're serving as a ministering secretary in a Relief Society presidency, Christ feels so confident in, in that sister to facilitate that work that, that he's turned it to her. And while in a, in a conventional ward and stake, they can have some of those opportunities, by and large, none of our elders quorum presidents would be serving as an elders quorum president in a conventional ward. None of our Relief Society presidents would be serving as a Relief Society president in a conventional ward. They could, they're capable, but they get that opportunity to feel Christ's confidence in them because we have just this wider variety of callings available to them in a young single adult ward. Yeah, and, and maybe add to that as well. You talked about charity earlier, but how how can the young adults bless other young adults in the ward 
because there is so much more to what they are capable of giving than to even just their calling. Yeah. But how do they bless each other? Or maybe examples you have seen Love of that. blessing each let, other. Let me share maybe a couple of stories that'll, that'll exemplify this. Um, I have never met a group of people who are less judgmental than young single adults. So for instance, um, I've seen this play out a lot of times, but I'll just use one specific example. It was in the Nampa YSA First Ward that meets in the Birch Building in Nampa. And uh, there was a, it was a typical Sunday, and this young lady, bless her heart, came in, and she just wasn't dressed like you would expect somebody to be dressed to come to church. And she didn't look like you would expect somebody to look who was coming to church, right? Um, multicolored hair, and pierce, lots of piercings, lots of tattoos. And fair, fair or unfair, I think in a lot of situations, if somebody like that comes into a sacrament meeting, there are some who would judge her. And maybe even judge the bishop for allowing her to be there dressed the way she was dressed. But I watched six young adults sisters immediately go up to her hey come sit with us come be and then oh let's go to second hour together and so takes her to second hour and explaining things to her they didn't know her and then took her to linger longer after church and come here let me introduce you to 15 other people and are you coming next week are you coming to FHE tomorrow we'd love to have you like we want you here and it isn't that they only do that with the people who look like they don't belong they do that with everybody. Kind of a running theme in our stake is that nobody sits alone. And so it's fun on the stand during sacrament meeting to watch if there's somebody sitting alone. It doesn't take very long before you see somebody else get up, independent of what their calling is, and move and go sit next to that person, introduce themselves, and spend time with them there. Because ultimately, everybody does want to feel like they belong. Oh, everybody does. Everybody does. They want to feel loved. They want to feel recognized. And, and I think young single adults have a very unique talent at recognizing <clears throat> their capacity and power to help everybody else feel loved and recognized. That is such a powerful teaching, too. No one sits alone. No one sits alone. Nobody sits alone in God's kingdom. Right. Nobody's alone in the celestial kingdom. So many people were alone during the pandemic. And yes. so to come back out to a place where no one sits alone is the complete opposite of what? And they do it naturally. So speaking of the pandemic, we came back. Of course, the direction was you have to be socially distanced. Yeah, that lasted maybe half of one sacrament meeting, as you might imagine with young single adults, um, because they, they don't want to social distance. Even those who struggle with whatever struggles they might have socially, with anxiety or other things, they, really, they don't want to be distanced from people. They're not sure how to involve themselves, but they're sure willing to be involved, to get that. invited in. I love that so much. Um, tell me more about what the stake does to help promote camaraderie uh, you said the stake does an, uh, an activity every other month. So in addition to the wards that do their own activities, mm -hmm. you combine as a stake. How big is the stake and, and what kind of numbers are we talking about? So you talked about the drive-in. Yeah, so our stake goes from CUNA, that's the far east part of our stake, 
out to Ontario, Oregon, and then up to McCall. So we have eight young single adult units within that range. So a young single adult branch in McCall and then from CUNA to Ontario. Uh, our state numbers, we have about 1,600 members on the rolls. Our, our big activities, our stake activities, we'll get from four to 900. We did a uh, New Year's Eve dance last year. We'll do another one this year. And at that, we, I mean, we were pushing 1,000 for the New Year's Eve dance. Um, we were so grateful for the Boise Young Single Adult Stake. That was kind of one of their first big activities was the New Year's Eve dance. And they really jumped in and, and we just saw so many young adults come from, from over there, um, you know, because the culture is a little different. So it made it a little more challenging for, for in many ways. But we provide not only that social experience, but one of the things we can do uniquely is we're ready to train an elders quorum president. We're ready to train a Relief Society president. We're ready to train a temple and family history leader or a mission leader, even if we only have them for two months. They're gonna get training from somebody on a stake level, a high counselor or a stake relief society presidency. We even have kind of a mirror of the high council in our stake of a stake relief society board. Women who are assigned to each ward to work specifically with that relief society president week to week and help her learn how to be a relief society president. And even if we only have them for three months, you know, as they take a break between semesters. And so that, that amount of training, that depth of training is something that's beneficial to them now. But imagine how beneficial that's gonna be when they're in their 40s and 50s, where they've been a president, they've been trained, they know what that looks like. They've been a counselor, they know what it means to speak their mind, they know how it works to counsel. Um, there's some pretty powerful benefits there. Oh yeah, and I love that they're getting them early. They're going to need them, all those experiences. You've had numerous um, visitors speak in this building um, from Salt Lake. We had Sister Corden last spring. We just had a member of the 70 this summer. We had an apostle last fall. Tell me how that blesses your stake to have the visiting speakers come, and, and what does that do for your young adults? It, what it, it's always helpful, of course, when we get this just, none of them are monumental shifts, but just little tweaks in focus. Okay, so we just had a special witness of Christ. We just had somebody who works regularly with President Nelson. We have a member of the Presidency of 70. What are they saying? How can we incorporate that into what we're doing and just give that little tweak? And so you, you see, every time we have somebody, how anxious are they to come and hear those words? Packed. Yeah, every time. Packed. Um, all the way to the back. And it's because despite narratives to the contrary, they want to be together, but more importantly, their spirits yearn to be fed. And they're anxious to have their spirits fed in ways that are um, kind of life-changing for them in many cases. And so we see those not just as opportunities for them to be fed, but you get somebody to come who isn't coming or somebody who's struggling, bring them with you. I'm just such a big proponent of instead of invite somebody to church, bring somebody to church. Instead of inviting somebody to institute, bring somebody to institute. Because whether we believe it or not, and sometimes it's hard for me to remember, when you're alone, walking in somewhere, finding a place to sit, where do I park, those are big hurdles for some people. And if there's somebody just with me the whole time, it eliminates those hurdles. So I love that it gives us opportunities to bring somebody to something. Oh, I love that. I love that change. 
because bringing them one by one is what changes their life. Um, last October, a year ago, President Nelson talked about the renovation of the Salt Lake Temple, and he talked about, uh, invited all of us to take extraordinary measures to fill our gaps and, and to strengthen our foundations as we move forward in life. What extraordinary measures do you encourage your young adults to make as they try to improve their life? Love that. We want from the very, very uh, beginning for them to have as a foundation in their life um, worshiping and drawing close to the Savior through regular temple service. So we've, we've had focuses and activities. One of our big summer activities was we invited all the wards to create a ward of the same size on the other side of the veil. Um, but not just finish it with baptism but to have each of those individuals taken all the way through the ordinances of exaltation. And that isn't so that we can have a cool tree with a bunch of leaves on it to visually represent that. It's because hopefully it creates for them a foundation of temple service and worship that will keep them close to the Savior throughout their lives. Um, we have found that as we've put an emphasis on temple worship, it's helped them naturally share the gospel with others. It's helped them naturally spend time in the scriptures. It's helped them overcome addiction. It's helped them overcome sin and temptation. It's helped them recognize and strengthen their personal bonds with Christ. And so we have currently, um, as of yesterday, we have 64 members of our stake who serve in the temple with another 14 waiting to be called. And none of them have served for longer than a year because they're rarely in our stake that long. So we have this constant churn but they want to serve in the temple if they can. And of course the temple, as you might imagine, loves having oh, young yes. single adults serve in the temple. Yes. What a great thing that is. It was a pretty tender moment for me when Liz and I went to the temple to have one of the members of the stake, a young single adult, officiate at that session, that endowment session. Pretty sweet moment to see him um, lead me, which is how the that's the future. Well, and it's powerful to see these young adults headed on missions who have the opportunity to work in the temple before they go help gather Israel. And they have those uh, memorized moments in their head of what the covenants and ordinances are and the promises made and the blessings that follow. It is such a blessing for them to have that opportunity. And then as they go teach people in wherever in the world they're sent, uh, to have that in their mind, that that is the true goal, is to get everyone, not just baptized, but to the temple and sealed as a family. This is one of the powerful things. As they attend the temple more regularly, ward councils change. Elders' Corn presidency meetings change. Relief Society presidency meetings change. Sunday school presidency meetings change. Because we aren't talking about how can we get Susie to come to church, or what can we do to increase ministering from you know, our ministering interviews from whatever percent to whatever percent. It's how can we help all of Heavenly Father's children make all of the covenants necessary to return home. That They've taken very literally President Nelson's invitation from his first press conference to begin with the end in mind. We want them to the celestial kingdom. Heavenly Father wants them to the celestial kingdom. So everything we do, we don't do activities just so we can have a good time and hang out. That's a byproduct. But the goal is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. We don't have devotionals with 70s and apostles so that we can have fun, inspiring moments. 
it, so that we can bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. And everything that happens is with that end goal in mind. And I can few, think of few places that help us keep that focus more than the temple. Yeah, it's where everything evolves to. It, it, everything we do is because of what we learned in the temple. Absolutely. Um, talk to me about what divine sources do you turn to to lead a stake that is so diverse and so geographically spread out? Uh, it's a lot. That, this yeah. is a huge calling for you. Yeah. Um, so talk about how you balance your daily life, your work, your occupation with this calling and how divine sources help you find peace. Thank you. One of the most important things for me is wherever I am, I'm there 100%. So when I'm a father, I am a father. And if a bishop calls, I will call him back. Um, when I'm the stake president, I am the stake president. And that I am there. When I'm teaching seminary, I am a seminary teacher. When I'm an institute, I'm an institute teacher. So one thing is to not allow various parts of life to bleed into other parts of life because then you do get completely, it just all begins to mix together and nobody feels like they're getting your full attention. So, so that's one. As far as divine sources go, if I keep myself grounded on the Savior, then things go well. So President Nelson's invite to go read all of the references to Christ in the topical guide, he said he did it, he was a changed man. I'm still doing it, just starting over, right? So I just kind of redundantly go back through it over and over again, because I find that learning about him helps me not only see where I lack, but where he can buoy me in areas that I needed. I can't even begin to express how grateful I am for the leaders that I work with, these bishops, my relief society, state relief society presidency and board, the high council, my counselors and my presidency, because I just don't have all the answers. In fact, I have very few answers, but between all of us, we can invite the Holy Ghost to give us the answers. And I'm a big believer in action. So we, we will just go and do. And if that leads to um, needing to tweak along the way, then we tweak along the way. But, but God uses moved cars, not parked cars. And so um, I just, I wish people, you know, and sometimes we have so many meetings and we talk about what we're going to do, but we have to just act, right? This is one of my favorite things about Nephi. Not that he was large in stature, not that he went back and got the plates, but when he said, I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. That's 1 Nephi 4, 6. And then verse 7, therefore I went. That's what we have to do is act. So when you say divine sources, one of the most divine sources I have is the divine source of action or being an agent that uh, Elder Bednar, of course, has taught multiple times. I love that. Go and do. Uh, the Lord loves effort, right? That's We've heard that many times. Before we close today... I would like you to just share a message straight to the young single adults, if they're listening. Why should they stay in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how will that bless their lives? I know there's a lot of loud sources that sway them back and forth, but to stay in the gospel as a stake president, what is your advice to them as we close today? Thank you. It's all true. But my message is it's all true. Everything that your parents and your leaders and your teachers and your friends have told you over and over again is true. There will come a day where each one of us will get to see the whole picture. We'll recognize everything that's happened in our lives from before we came 
until we return home again. And all of it's going to make perfect sense. We're going to see how very deeply involved uh, a loving Heavenly Father and a loving Heavenly Mother are in the details of our lives. We're going to see how the Savior's atoning sacrifice impacted us, not just day to day, but minute to minute. And so if right now you don't feel like you get it and it's not working for you, I just want to, I want everybody, it does work and it will work. There will come a day where they will get to hug the Savior and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, because it's all true. And this isn't just a church. This isn't just an organization. This isn't just a thing that we do. It's the work of Almighty God. It's changing not just my life in the here and now, but changing eternities for everyone that I'm blessed enough to be with and interact with, and vice versa for them as well. And I am confident when the day comes, when the veil is lifted and we get to see the whole picture, we're not just going to be in awe of how regularly involved they were in our lives, but I think we're going to be so very humbled at how often God used very imperfect people like you and I to impact somebody for good, to direct them back to where they ultimately wanted to be. When we shouted for joy in the pre-existence, we did it knowing good and well exactly what this life would look like, and we still shouted for joy because we knew it was the only way to become like our heavenly parents, who we so desperately desired to be like. And that even if your eyes can't see that now, your spirit still does. So just hold on. Just keep going forward. You are amazing. You are someone that Christ has such great confidence in that he's allowed you to be a member of his restored church here on the earth. That little small percentage who can take the truth to the whole world. And while he doesn't need your help because he's omnipotent, he's confident enough in you that he's asked for your help. To me, that gives me great confidence. If Christ can ask for my help, I'm all in. So be all in and just just recognize Christ's confidence in you. Thank you so much, President Heather.